Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Tara Bowen-Biggs, joined, as always, by Blazer's outsider, Danny Morang. Oh, hi. I felt like that was really chipper, considering how sad I am inside mm. after that Dallas game. Chipper, anti-chipper. I don't know what I'm going with here. I'm just, I'm sitting here sulking, watching the replay, and we're in the fourth quarter right now, and the Blazers still have the lead with seven minutes to go, so it's, uh, it's looking up. As, as Good. I'm say. so glad that you can relive that. Yeah. So it's Sunday night. Uh, Portland was almost treated to a giant snowstorm, but instead all we got were long lines at the uh, grocery store. I actually had a lot of snow at my house. Did you have a lot of snow at your house? No, I only got like an inch, but I know I got a couple friends around the region had anywhere from five to nine inches. So, And there were uh, many people who had absolutely none. Mm-hmm. So after all that buildup, uh, it was a pleasure to go to uh, watch a Blazer game, Ooh, early game pleasure? on a Sunday. Pleasure to First watch. three quarters, you know, <sighs> were great. Well, they were, they were fine. The they the were Blazers totally have fine. In common? They don't disappear without a trace. Hey, all right. <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. I don't want to dwell on that game, but do you think we should dwell on that game? I mean, or is Post it game, this burn the tape and move it's, on? It's it's a little bit of dwell, a little bit of burn the tape, because the locker room for everything I've been able to gather was not a good place to be after that game. Dame was rightfully pissed about the lack of, of calls that he got or didn't get uh, to close up the game. Uh, the entire locker room was, was frustrated with the fact that Zach Collins was picking up ticky-tack fouls for the exact same thing that uh, uh, Kleber and, and Dwight Powell were not getting called for on the other end. Um just the overall attitude um, around the locker room from what I was told was, was that guys were uh, pretty pissed off with how they didn't take care of business and how you're looking forward at the Oklahoma City Thunder and you're, how it's basically a battle for one of the top two or three teams in the Western Conference and you couldn't even handle this game. Like, if you can't handle this game, how are you supposed to deal with MVP candidate Paul George? Well, I'm glad they were mad because... Um I think they have every reason to be. What I can't... So this was the second game where they've had the new lineup. So one of the things that I say a lot is I like it when they get new additions to the lineup, in this case Rodney Hood, because it makes everybody have to concentrate a little harder. And I thought they were playing well together, but then... What happened? I don't. I mean, I don't think it was the fact that they were trying to work some somebody new in. It was just all of a sudden there was like a layup line. Like I was looking at the shooting the the shot chart mm-hmm. for after the game, and the Dallas Mavericks just had this big giant green blob directly under their basket. Like they had no problem getting that close to the basket. So what was going on there? And is this a symptom of something that has been developing or do you think it was just like a fluke? Uh, We saw a little bit of this in the Miami game where the Blazers got beat pretty handily on some straight line drives. 
Um, I saw a lot of that reminiscent in the, late in the third going into the fourth quarter, uh, particularly on the perimeter. Um, CJ did not have a good game offensively or defensively. thought it was one of his worst efforts of the season uh, when, when you consider both sides of the ball. Uh, he had the, in the fourth quarter, he had the carry turnover, and then he had the pass that was, who God knows where it was going. Uh, and then Tim Hardaway oh, yeah. Jr. repeatedly roasted him. Um, it, was, it was not a good effort from him. Uh, which is which is kind of disappointing because he's been playing so well over the last what two weeks. So yeah, no, he's. I mean, I thought he looked fine in the first half. Yeah, I mean, he ended up six of seventeen. Like he was, he was okay. starting one of five from the field. So he went what five of twelve to close out the game, which is still okay. not great. Oh, of five from three. He did contribute in other areas, which we don't always see. Pulled down five boards, five assists. But, again, those two turnovers were pretty costly there in the fourth. And I'm not blaming the the, the entire collapse on him. Um, but I thought the ball Right, and stopped. CJ's not the guy who generally guards the the basket. So, again, no, no, but it, but what was going on there? Tim Jr. was getting to the rim pretty pretty relentlessly. Because he was getting past yeah, CJ. Yeah, just getting downhill. And then you had guys like Finney Smith, Colbert, uh, Dwight Powell, uh, which is just weird. Uh, none of them were really all that efficient. Um as far as, you know, volume, but it was timely buckets. I mean, you look at how the, the Mavs scored. You had 28 from Luka, 24 from Hardaway, and then 13, 11, and 9 between Powell, Finney Smith, and, and Maxi. And it's, it's weird because you look at the Blazers, um, outside of Dame, Nurk, and CJ, nobody was really scoring. And I think the Nurk one is the one that really hurt them because even though he was a minus 14 on the night, he uh, – he was the one thing that was kind of protecting the rim. And there were times when I saw two fouls that he got called for that literally didn't touch anybody. And there were times where he was, you know, wrestling with a, a with a bear in the paint and not getting called. So mm-hmm. really inconsistent uh, on the refing side of things. Um, I'm, I'm watching the one where he literally just blasted Dwight Powell in the middle of the back and picked up a foul. And it was just decision-making pretty much across the line, uh, wasn't well, it, good. It seems like the Blazers had a hard time spreading the floor tonight because it seemed like every time they were, you know, fighting for an offensive rebound, there were four guys on whoever was there. Uh, offensively, uh, I, I think that they were okay in the first half. Um, I And this is going to sound crazy. I wonder if Dame going nuclear in the third was not necessarily a good thing. Because after that moment, the ball stopped. Like, if you watch the they fourth stopped. quarter, okay. they, they, the ball is not moving side to side. They are not going to, to pick and roll. They are not going to dribble handoffs. They are not going to pin downs. Like, it's... They're just standing in and yeah. letting Dame do his mm-hmm. thing without uh, making themselves available as the second or third options. Yeah, I mean, Jake and then Rodney, after the, the Spurs game, I mean, they had decent games, 4-7, 3-7. Um Rodney was a plus 13. I mean, like, like the good mm-hmm. things happened really when he was on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. Same with Evan Turner. Like Evan Turner, I saw some people getting mad because he only had two points tonight. Yeah, but he had seven assists and eight rebounds. Like, he was setting guys up regularly all night long. And he wasn't taking a lot of shots no, he was either. he one of two. Like, yeah. I, I thought Evan had a very good game. And I was honestly surprised that Stotts opted to go with Harkless down the stretch and not Evan. Because I mean, Harkless, what? What did he end up shooting on the night? Two of seven, oh, two from three. Like it's just, I was, it was weird. Um, two things about this before we move on to uh, the next topic. 
Hold on, I completely forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe no things? Like, yeah, you got to cut that out. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's staying in there. Um, Come on now. Let's see. It was about... Evan Turner, uh, the Larkless? Well, I wanted to talk about Evan Turner because I want to talk about Rodney Hood mm-hmm. because I find the way that they play very similar, and I want to know if you see the same thing. Um, but there was one last thing I want to say about the Dallas game. Oh, yeah. Okay. So what I want to say about the Dallas game is the Bla- I don't think that that game really represents where the Blazers are right now. Because if you look at, like, the last 15 games, they've been the, – the, the team that we saw them play against Dallas is, looked more like the team when it was struggling at the beginning of the year. If you look at, you know, the last 15 games or so, basically since – they started running the ball through Nurkic. The Blazers have been really fun to watch, and that's something that I have really been enjoying lately. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about that with somebody. They've been passing the ball more. They've been shooting better. They have, um, you know, all those alley-oops and dunks. They've been fun, and there's been a lot going on, and today did not feel like that. So I kind of feel like this is one of those games where they got to learn from it and then just throw it away and move on. Mm-hmm. That having been said, they have a pretty tough road in front of them, and I wonder how hard it's going to be to move on. Because, I mean, the last 15 games, they've been number five in scoring. Yeah, they've no, been number three in field goal percentage. Their what? offensive numbers over the last 15 are great. But I think the- Yeah, they've been up to number seven in assists over the mm-hmm. last 15 games. They were 11th, they're 11th in turnovers. And then tonight, that just all just went well, by here's the wayside. The thing is that while those last 15 are great, I think we're looking at two very, di- very different teams. The team that went into that break, you know, coming off a big, just throttling win of the Utah Jazz, beating them mm-hmm. by 28, that team has not been out there. Yeah, the Blazers took care of the Spurs the other night, but remember, they basically got manhandled by the Heat. They looked awful. Well, now mm-hmm. they just dropped another game that they absolutely should have won because they weren't on top of things. Their effort wasn't there. Their execution wasn't there. So that's two of the last three that they've dropped where the effort, execution, and the extraneous things that you could control were subpar. Well, then then let's move on to it because one of the things I've had in the back of my head is wondering how much of that has to do with the trade deadline and working in, you know, realistically working in new players. I mean, sure, you can say that, but, I mean, just take a look at the Dallas Mavericks. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. played 32 minutes and that gave him 24 points. Mm -hmm. Trey Burke's out there getting 18 minutes. I mean, Jalen Brunson played 24 minutes, Tara. Like, if I... Mm -hmm. If I gave you these names and asked you if they were NBA players or the American <laughs> Alliance of Football players, like could you like could you get fifty percent of them? I would have gotten Tim Hardaway. But, uh, and that's not a, that's not a shot at you. It's, it's just in, in general. Ryan Brokoff, Daryl mm-hmm. Macon. Like, I, okay. So uh, what I'm you're saying is uh, the Blazers should not be struggling uh, with no. trying to work new people in or feeling uncomfortable about trade deadlines. No. Listen, I mean, the only guys who should be feeling that heat, so to speak, are Harkless and Aminu. Because mm-hmm. because they were the ones you think were most likely to have been. Yeah, if, if anybody was, was getting phone calls about having your bag packed just in case, it's those mm-hmm. two guys. But the thing mm-hmm. is, who's picking up the minutes there? It's, it's, it's to, Well, to be honest... Uh, those are the two guys, and I hate to say that about Chief because you know how much I love mm-hmm. him, but those are the two guys who I haven't seen a lot of production out recently. No, and that's that's problematic, and I, I, I think that that's why the Blazers ha- are, are 
kind of looking towards Hood. Hood's played two games there, and he's hitting 25 minutes yeah. in back-to-back games. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, let's move. Let's move over to to Hood and just put the Dallas game behind us and hope for better things in Oklahoma City. But talk about the the Blazers. Uh, uh, trade deadline, the acquisition of Hood. We already talked about that a little bit, but we hadn't seen him play uh-huh. yet. So continue about what you were saying about how he's fitting in. Uh, for the most part, I think he's fitting in really well. I've seen a few times where obviously he didn't know the sets. Uh, they've gone through two practices, so I, I don't uh-huh. expect him to have them all like locked in. But in two games, he's getting up seven shots a game, getting 11 points a night, um, effective, efficient. He's getting uh, four threes up in back-to-back games. Like I, go ahead, go ahead and give uh-huh. me that. I'm, you know, you get five tonight, three uh-huh. the night before, or the game before. So, if if Rodney Hood's getting up eight to what eleven shots and three to five threes a night, I, I'm okay with that because I, realistically, Harkless's shots should should come down. Aminu's shots should come down. If like if if you're talking about whether or not you like Harkless or you prefer Harkless or Aminu or any of those guys. Hood's a better offensive player than either one of them. Ifs, ands, buts, there's, 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 there's no argument to be made otherwise. There, there, there's literally not a foundational argument to be made about Hood versus Aminu or Harkless offensively. It's, it's just it not seems there. like Hood is, you can, you can count on a higher minimum from him yes. night in and night out. He can create up the bounce. We've seen him step into shots in transition, knock down threes. He's got a nice little mid-post game. Um, that was actually how the Blazers got him involved in the first game. Uh, he can finish at the rim. Uh, very, very confident shooter. Uh, fits right into, like, if you read the article that I wrote on Saturday, mm-hmm. like, his his attack range is basically, like, I, I said this on Outsiders tonight, and it, I, 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 I'm going to stick with it. Like, it, it's, a, it's a slice of pie. Like, actual mm-hmm. pie. So, from the rim out to the angle three is like a 45-degree line on each side out from the rim, out, and then up to dead center uh, above the three-point line. That's like his attack range. He wants to get towards mm-hmm. the middle of the court right there and funnel downhill. Whereas Jake Lehman plays a little bit outside that and then at the rim. So they kind of complement each other really well. It's kind of this yin-yang, how they go about different different ways of getting to the same kind of places. Mm-hmm. And we saw it tonight. Uh, and they don't run into each no. other because they're, they're preferring to operate in different and areas. They may finish in the same general areas, but mm-hmm. how they get there is very different. Um, with um, Hood, Layman, and E.T., honestly, I'd like to see that combination more. because they. they so how does E.T. fit in? Because I feel like Hood and E.T. occupy could potentially occupy a lot of the same they space. They could, but if, if you saw earlier tonight and um, a little bit during the, uh, the Spurs game, Jake obviously has a, a relationship with E.T. Like, the, the, those, those lobs are coming endlessly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Evan does a really good job, and, and Rodney is not the same kind of cutter that, that Jake is. But if, if, we're, if I'm ranking cutters on this team, Jake's number one, and then there's a giant gap. Hood's maybe number two. Like, but okay. having that additional cutter, having that, uh, another guy who's willing to make those, those moves, making them make those runs, and I see a little bit of chemistry already developing between Hood and Lehman. Because we're, we're again, we're talking that kind of that, that yin yang, the symbiotic relationship those two have. They, they they share with where they are on the floor. There was there was a mm-hmm. beautiful um, drive give and go setup between Hood and, and Layman tonight, and it was like oh, that that looks like they've been doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. But as far as Evan occupying the same role, could it be problematic? 
yes, if you have them out there with another non-shooter. There were times tonight with Collins on the floor where I really wanted to see the Blazers go with Myers Leonard. Because, because Myers Leonard has the ability to, to shoot to, from farther yeah, out. Yeah, spread that floor much more consistently. Like, listen, Zach's not, he's not bad, but nobody's really mm-hmm. worried about him. You put Myers in a pick and roll with Evan, they're going to have to worry about the pop. I mean, that, that's mm-hmm. realistically, that's how I, and I would like to see a lineup of Hood, Lehman, uh, Turner, Myers, insert whoever else here. Like, if you want to throw Seth out there, if you want to throw Harkless in there, if you want to throw um, Zach in there, fine. But I would like to see the that kind of like the, the wing lineup that allows guys to switch a ton. Is there anything that you're, from what you've seen in just only two games so far, that concerns you in terms of, ooh, that could be a difficult combination, that could be, that could be rough? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you, you can't have, like, if, if they do bump Harkless to the bench, I don't think you can have Harkless and, and, and Turner out there with Aminu or something like that. But otherwise, for the most part, I think Hood is a guy you can plug in pretty much anywhere. I mm-hmm. think he's a he's a guy much like Jake Lehman, who is just gonna just do his thing, and and mm-hmm. that, that's why I was so not necessarily excited, but I, I was happy with the addition of Rodney Hood, because what what have we talked about for years now, Tara? Are we talking about the? We've talked about a lot of things, but are you getting at the six foot nine guys? Yeah, have. So yeah, there was a there was a time tonight where it was Damian Lillard was the shortest guy, mm-hmm. and then it was. Hood and Lehman and I think Turner maybe mm-hmm. and I can't remember who the center was at the time, but I was like, "There's that length. There's that whole bunch of six nine guys." Yeah. Realistically, <laughs> I mean, that's just it adds to that that like, mm-hmm. that, that fundamentally changes what the human. Not just a, another six eight six nine guy. It's a, it's a guy who can put the ball on the floor, offensively mm-hmm. and defensively. I know a lot of the questions were about Hood. Were you know how would he look defensively? For not knowing the Blazers' schemes, I mean, he knows them based off scouting reports, but you know, you don't know the the entirety of them. But he's yeah. he's done pretty well. I haven't seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The Blazers are switching maybe a little bit more and a little earlier than they would normally. Um, I saw a couple times tonight between Dame and Hood where Dame initiated and called for the switch much earlier than I than I typically see him call for it, and I think that was kind of to alleviate some of the pressure of, of Rodney trying to have to make a decision. And understanding mm-hmm. whose help is where and, and, and where they're trying to funnel them to, just to make the switch and, and just make it a little bit easier for them. But beyond that, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, I, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised with Hood uh, defensively. So how about the Blazers' other addition, Scal? Le, oh, we talked about Lavisier. this before the podcast. Le Vissier? Le Vissier. Le Vissier. Yeah. Scal Le Vissier. Scal. What are your thoughts on Scal? I, I mean... Uh, My pal Scal. Uh, That's how I, I wrote it yeah. down. Scal like pal. Yeah, no, I, Scal's the homie. Uh, Scal's a guy that I've wanted the Blazers to go after. If you listen to the podcast last week, before the deadline, I, I suggested that the Blazers would be going after him. Uh, yeah, and you thought, didn't you think that they were going to give up Mo Harkless and a pick? Oh, yeah, that, that's exactly it. That's, that, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was uh, the Blazers were going to give up Mo Harkless and a first-round pick for Scal. And it was no way in any way, shape, matter, or form a salary dump that the Blazers had talked about doing. But, you know, people that are out there know a lot more than I do, apparently. Um, and the, uh, the Blazers instead opted to go on the little luxury tax. So. Uh, but I knew that the Blazers were kicking around Scal. Um, and I'm, I'm not entirely surprised. Um, so tell us about 
scales upside in your opinion? I mean, 6'11", got a uh, decent wingspan, standing reach. He's got a really soft touch. He got to the game of basketball really late, much like Yusuf Nurkic. Um, came to basketball like 14 years old. Um, very, I don't want to say European, but that's what his skill set kind of feels like in that he's a mm-hmm. pick and pop kind of big. Uh, very, so he's a shooter? Yeah, very smooth. Like everything, everything mm-hmm. about what he does looks very smooth. You, he's the kind of guy where you wonder if he got to the game eight years earlier, um, where could he be? I still think the potential mm-hmm. for him is very high. He's still quite young. Um, and uh, while I still think he's a break glass in case of emergency big, um, mm-hmm. I, I think that this is it's a good move for Portland. Yeah, I, I think mm-hmm. it's a guy that very much fits the Neil O'Shea model of uh, low-cost, uh, low-risk, potentially high-reward, buried on the depth chart, didn't have enough opportunity, yada, yada. I mean, you tick all the boxes for, yeah. for the Neil O'Shea signings and trades, right? I mean, Hood, to an extent, was kind of that. He was just not... He was in a rough situation yeah, in Cleveland. I mean, he was in a bad that situation That can't be a good him. place for a guy who is, you know, pretty much in his prime, right? Uh, his prime basketball mm-hmm. years. It's one thing to be an old guy there or a young guy there. You don't want to be an in-prime guy at, you know, on a team that's one of the worst in the league. So, yeah. But as far as Scal goes, I'm, 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 pretty, I'm pretty happy with that. So one thing I was a little concerned about with the moves that the Blazers made at the trade deadline didn't really rear its head until I was watching the game tonight, and we had both Collins and Nurkic in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. Myers Leonard really being the only other option. And I, and I just thought, I, gosh, I wish that they'd had a more plug and play ready to go big guy that they could have had who would have been, I just, I feel like they're, it's, they've got, you know, three rotation players playing that center center forward Mm. position, but I just don't, I don't think besides Nurkic that they're very strong right now. I mean, Myers can come in and play a few. I, I like Myers coming in and playing a few minutes here, changing the look of the game by the way he spreads the floor. But for extended minutes, I don't think he's a good substitute for Nurkic, and I just don't think Collins is ready. And I think part of it might be because, and I, you know, this is one thing I harp on all the time, is like who's their big man coach who is systematically developing like Zach Collins right now. Like last year it was for lack of anybody else. It was Ed Davis. Mm-hmm. And without Ed Davis there, I feel like Zach is, I don't know if he I would say he's else. sliding backwards, but he's not making the process like the progress like he did last year. And I was just wishing that at the trade deadline, they could have found somebody who could have served that role. Um, because I don't think that same kind of chemistry exists between him and Myers. And I just don't think he's ready yet. And we don't, I don't think we should rush him. I mean, you've been saying that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, g- going for somebody who is going to be developed behind Zach didn't do the best service to Zach. Yeah, no, I, I think it's one of those things I mean, that's where... kind of why some people... I mean, I know Miritich doesn't play that same role, but... Oh, he'd eat up, he'd he'd eat guy, up Zach's minutes. In a, in a, what? He'd eat up Zach's minutes in a heartbeat. We, 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 if, if the Blazers made a move for Miritich, which is why part of the reason why I think they didn't, Zach would not have minutes. They wouldn't have played together no, at no, all. I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. They've been playing. They've been playing Zach more at center. Yeah, and that's have you oh noticed yeah, that? I noticed it because it's and glaring. Like, you know, Miritich alongside him 
you know, he would have had a guy who's established and is familiar with the game. Yeah, but again, where you're seeing most of Zach's regression come from is because Zach is playing center. That's exactly why. Like it's, mm-hmm. But at least he would have somebody who... I don't think it's going to last. I don't know. I, I legitimately, I don't think it's going to last. I think they're going to go back to Zach playing more of the four. And I, uh, they, they may go with some of those small ball lineups. But, I mean, he, yeah. was, str- he okay. was struggling tonight with guys like Dwight Powell and Maxi Kleber. Like the, yeah, I just I just don't think he's ready, and I don't no, want to. You, you don't um, want to burden him with it because he's just, it's not mm-hmm. something he's ready for. Um, yeah, and and last year he jumped out alongside with Ed alongside yep. him, and it was okay. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's. I think they're trying to get Zach to play through some of the confidence things. Yeah, um, we saw it in the Spurs game where he really didn't get minutes, and then all of a sudden he came out, which is really weird. So Myers comes out in the first half, plays well, right against the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so fun watching Myers and uh, Nurkic just absolutely bodying up Lamarcus. <laughs> I mean, they, they were beating. It's him like up. all they put on the whiteboard was Lamarcus doesn't like contact, yeah. and those two just went in and were just. Con- they were draped over him. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. Myers had one play where I, I think he like sucker punched Lamarcus in the kidneys, like on it's like three different times. I was like, okay, that'll play Lamarcus. That's what I want to see. Or, or, or Myers, that's what I want to see. <laughs> Subconsciously went back to congratulating Lamarcus there. Um, but yeah, like it was it was very strange to see Myers per- go out there, perform well, make Lamarcus work his ass off for every shot, and then not get any burn in the second half. And then all of a sudden, Collins is out there, and I was kind of like, wait, what's, what's, what's going on here? So I, going back to something I, I mentioned earlier here in the pod, I think over the next few weeks, I think we're going to see Stotts play with the lineups pretty hard. Okay. And I think... I guess now is the time to do it since they're trying to incorporate a new yep, player anyway. And you want to know what your rotation is, right? Because you're mm-hmm. introducing a guy who's going to get 20 to 25 minutes a night. Layman has shown that he should be getting 20 to 25 minutes a night. Arkle Semino should probably be getting less minutes. And I don't mm-hmm. think Collins has done anything to justify him getting more than 10 to 15 minutes a night. So you mm-hmm. kind of have to figure out how this is going to work. And I think the question that the biggest question for the Blazers going forward right now as far as potential lineups is that can Jake play the four? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a bit of a stretch. But I think against some lineups, he'll be okay. And some lineups, it will be the opposite of okay. <laughs> right. Well, you know what I found out today uh, when I was doing uh, writing up the mom's favorite column? And I, I don't know if it was true of the Dallas game. But Jake had, previous to the Dallas game, Jake had played all 12 minutes of the fourth quarter in five of the last seven games. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole... Fourth quarter. Closing lineups. It doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes, right? Yep. I, I, I yeah. I think that shows you the confidence that, that Stotts is, whether or not Harkless is starting, the confidence in mm-hmm. who they have to close out games right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, my guess is that, you know, once the rotation settles, is that Aminu and Harkless will lose some minutes. I don't think Aminu will lose as many as Harkless will. Um, but yeah, Jake has just absolutely made his case. Like he, he's just like, you can't not play me at this point. If you're still sitting here pining for Harkless or Aminu to get more minutes, like there's, it's not much else anybody can do to show you what, what Layman has, has done or is capable of doing. Like, the, well, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to lump Aminu into the, like, you know, suddenly he's given up and is not no, showing no, but any he effort. should not be getting the extra minutes based on past performance, I don't think. I, I don't think that, I think that what Stotts has done recently in that who's giving up the minutes right now is it's between Harkos and Medium and Collins mm-hmm. and that's rightfully so. Right. And if you've got a shooter coming in, let the shooter shoot mm-hmm. and if he's playing passable enough defense. I mean, I was noticing tonight that like Aminu wasn't even necessarily on the best player. Hood was guarding Doncic a lot. Yeah. And and Hood did actually a pretty good job for a stretch there and then Luca in that fourth quarter hit a couple ridiculous finishes. Uh, yeah. The end one over one was on Hood, I think, and then the other one when Harkless came in. Yeah. So I mean, he's, guess what? Doncic is pretty good. <laughs> God, he's fun to watch. He really, he really is. I don't know. Hard, hard to dislike. Um, it's hard to hate Luca. It, 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 well, it's yeah. hard to dislike that team. Really, I don't. Um, it's hard to it's hard to dislike them, but it's it's easy to dislike losing to them. <laughs> Anything else you want to mention about the Blazers trade deadline activity before we talk just general terms about what happened in the league? Um, the Tobias Harris one was the one that came out of nowhere, right? Like mm-hmm. Philly is a legit finals team. Realistically, they are they are loaded for bear. Yeah, it, it seems like they, they seem like a real combustible mix. Oh, yeah, there's a thousand percent. They, make, they like, make kill each everything other. could go really well or the whole thing could just implode. Absolutely, but I think that's what makes that a really, really fun and interesting experiment. And I think you have to really credit Elton Brand for seizing an opportunity to go big. Mm-hmm. Like, I will mm-hmm. never get mad at a GM across the league who sees the landscape and goes, you know, if I add this guy, I've got a chance. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about a matchup? Bring him in and we'll sort it yeah. all out later. That's yeah. very much the, the Bob Witson, the Trader Bob mentality, right? Just mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and Toby and Bobby, you know, Marjanovic. I know, and, it's so cute Paris. that they got traded together. Yeah, I mean, that's the second time. They, they got to they gotta stay together. Um, that's so sweet. Just like the Wade Baldwin and Nick uh, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Honestly, I hope to God those guys never got on a plane. I hope they're still, they stayed in Portland because getting traded for four yeah. different teams and then getting released, yeesh. I know. I feel bad and for And together them. as a package, that's got to make you just feel like uh, inhuman. Yeah, it's got to suck. But, I mean, hey, at least uh, both their contacts are guaranteed, so they're getting paid. Yeah, um, yeah that was a bummer. But anyway, Bobby and Toby got got moved together yeah, they're, to they're loaded, the 76ers. Uh, the Raptors making a big move for uh, Marcus Gasol. Um, that was a little surprising. So, it's give me a little insight here into uh, I thought Marcus all was uh getting older, losing a step, causing locker room dysfunction, making their coach get fired. Yeah, there's, there's some weird things and, going on because Chandler Parsons, after Gasol gets traded, is all of a sudden coming back to resume basketball activities with the Grizzlies. Like it makes you wonder if if there was a Situation between Gasol and Chandler. <laughs> that just sounds like a Fox TV show. <laughs> Anything covering those the relationship of those two it yeah, just seems like just... <laughs> like a reality TV yeah, show. It's, it's, it's not great, but um, yeah, it just it really surprised me. Can I say my favorite thing about the yeah. trade deadline is that it was all the Eastern teams that got so much better. It's nice to see some talent go from the West to the East for once, oh, right? It was so great. Um, obviously, the, the the one that kind of slides under the radar here is maybe the best team in the league so far this season, the Milwaukee Bucks, picking up Miritich mm-hmm. for 
uh, you know, expiring contracts. And that, 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 that listen, I, I want to beat up on Neil Olshay for a lot of things, and I do. <laughs> but mm-hmm. he's not lying when he says that all the deals were done for expiring deals. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's just the reality of it. But I think the criticism so is... Next year's looking pretty good. Is it, though? Because a lot of teams <laughs> have expiring deals. And this is, this is the argument that I've... I've, I've if you want to be mad about uh, 2016 beyond um, the deals themselves, is that making them all for four years. But they were four years. Yeah, yeah, right. Just, yeah. just, just, just imagine before. one of those deals. If one mm-hmm. of those deals is expiring, yep. the Blazers are probably players of the trade deadline market. So, yep. um, but it wasn't. But... So overall, that was that the was Bucks the picked up Meritage. Yeah, that was the theme of the trade deadline: expiring deals for for decent players. Mm-hmm. And I guess I should take this time, <clears throat> since I I lost the bet to Casey Holdall. Yes, um, to sing his praises. Um, the Blazers did not make. It, it, I'm not mad. Yeah, okay, I'm mad because if they were going to stay, if they were going to make moves, I want them to go big. Um, and mm-hmm. I know they went after some bigger fish. Um, but of course, everybody's going to say, "Oh, I'm sure they went after." Listen, I they went after some bigger fish. Um, so people should be happy that they at least went after. Yeah, and there was there was good movement. Let's let's put it that way. But and they got Rodney Hood, and got they Scow. got yeah Scow for thirteenth, fourteenth, Caleb Swanigan, which shocked me. Yeah. I thought <laughs> and th- maybe this is terrible to Misreported say. Or something? No, I thought maybe they were like. They entered negotiations thinking, okay, we'll ask for Caleb Swanigan, and then they'll ask for something more back. And we'll be like, oh, okay, well, we can do it. But they were like, okay. <laughs> That'll do. And they were like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it, it, it's, it's each getting a new opportunity on, a, on another team, right? Right. So, But technically the Blazers were not under the luxury tax line at the end of the trade deadline. And as a result, you lost a bet to Casey Holdall. Correct. So I must sing his praises and exhort him and praise all that he is and all that he knows. For he is the all-knowing Casey Holdall, the owner, the proprietor of the second best tied for first Blazers podcast. I can't can't (laughs) congratulate him that much. Um... But Casey had it right, uh, and believe it or not, Casey does not have the insider um, knowledge uh, with the Blazers when it comes to the inner workings of the trade, so he's not playing with uh, a stacked deck here. Um, the Blazers keep that stuff that tight. <laughs> if you guys listen to the podcast when we had Casey on, uh, you would know how, how tightly they run things. Um, I, I legitimately thought they were going to go big, big, um, or not go at all. And so here I am singing Casey's praises, his brilliance. Yeah, say some more specific nice things about Casey. I think that's really what you're supposed to yeah. be doing, not just like generically saying, oh, I praise Casey. But like give us some specifics. Uh, I, I did. I, I, I said his brilliance, his cunning, his knowledge. Yeah, but those aren't like specific examples of things that he's uh, done. That's just like generic. You're, you're, not, you're not helping me here. No, I'm trying to help you so that you fulfill your, the terms of your bet. Because if I've, I was mm. him listening, I'd be like... You know, that's really nice, but, like, that was, wasn't was specific enough. Like, when you sing his praises, you're supposed to say, you know, uh, his pictures on Instagram are always interesting. Is, the tweets true. that he sets he, out are timely. Casey does have... Stuff like that. Casey does have a very, very strong Instagram game. Uh, his, uh, his shoe, his shoe his photos are, are fantastic. His, uh, his articles at forwardcenter.net are wonderful and amazing. You, you should consume them. Because Casey is a brilliant writer, 
and he's a good writer. He is a is he a good storyteller? Is he good at analysis? He, like, of, give us a little bit more what, what we can expect when we read Casey. Listen, Casey, I'm helping you, you out I'm, here. You're helping too much, Tara. That's that's the problem here. I'm I'm beginning to wonder whose podcast you're on. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it ours? Yeah, I know, but I feel like you're you're over here for for Casey's. Well, you know what, Dan? I wasn't the one out making yeah, bets. Yeah, well, you know what? That I was going to lose. So. Hey, listen. I, like, I, I, I'm surprised they did it. A lot of people around the league are surprised they did it. I mean, they're paying $12 million in luxury tax, almost $13 million in luxury tax this year for a team that is largely the same. Uh, mm-hmm. I know that they did try to make moves to get under. Uh, but the price of that is just too much, and they figured, I guess, the $12 million would be enough. And I'm assuming that next year they're going to be under, unless they have a real serious contender. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this summer. Yeah, it sure will be, and it'll be interesting to see what Casey, the wonderful writer, writes about it. This is very true, and I'm, I'm sure he will, <laughs> he'll live-tweet better than Woj. Yeah, what's the second part of your commitment yeah, to this a, bet that you made with Casey? Tweet him every, tweet about him every morning for the next week. First tweet mm-hmm. of the day. So I'll, yeah, I'll be, are you going to be more specific yeah, be, I'll, I'll than just f- I praise I'll Casey? I'll be fulfilling the, uh, the the rest of my bet starting uh, Monday morning. <laughs> Shout out scheduled tweets. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, let's times. see. Um, a bit other. Let's see. What other kinds of uh, news have been trickling out, or any other trades that you want to talk about? I guess one of the things that, well, we haven't. We ta- have we talked about the Porzingis I mean, we trade, and he was bit. there at the game. Yeah, I mean, it, for everybody wondering why, why KP's not playing, or they heard that he's healthy, not healthy. So everybody I've been able to. The word that I've been able to gather is that he is healthy, but they're treating this more as a body balancing situation. So mm-hmm. in order to prevent injuries for in the future, they, they, not that they don't care about this year, but they're more worried about offering him a five-year, excuse me, $160 million contract. And knowing he'll be yes, healthy. Yes, what they want to do is they want to break him down and build him back up. They want to get the imbalances out of his hips, out of his back, out of his core. They want to strengthen him and build him up. He's a seven-foot-three dude. Like, the thing is, like, if you're talking about a team that's familiar with rebuilding awkwardly long seven-foot-plus European white dudes... Your niche market is Dallas, baby. I mean, they, 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 they kept Dirk viable and playing for essentially 20 years. Like, like that's, that's incredible. So uh, I, I trust that the, uh, the Mavericks will probably be able to figure that out. But as far as other deals... I mean, were, uh, they, are, were they trying to not win? Or do you think that they were still planning on trying to who? win? I mean, Dallas? Dallas. Uh, yeah. I don't think they care. Right now, because okay. they owe their their pick to Atlanta. Um, d- okay. Depending on the you know the protections, uh, so they still want to. Yeah, win. I, I think that, and they want to develop Luca as best as they can, and that is not going to be by providing him with a bunch of players who can't get him somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I the other one is I think that's 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 surprising for me is or not necessarily surprising, but um, the, the earth shaking oh. one is going to be the Kevin Durant. Um, non-discussion for nine days after the Knicks cleared the space trading Porzingis out. Mm-hmm. So, uh, What about the uh, Harrison Barnes to Sacramento? Um, we, like, it, as you know, Tara, we, we've talked about leading into the deadline. The, the Kings were looking for a forward. 
Um, and I thought they did a really nice job. I think that's going to be a really Sacramento nice Sacramento has, and Chris Haynes tweeted about this, is that Sacramento has done a very, very good job over the last two years of kind of rebuilding, rebranding, and uh, resetting their culture. Uh, I think Dave mm-hmm. Yeager is a big part of that, and the players they've brought in, uh, they, they, they're very confident in the guys they have going forward. The, the, the miss, so to speak, of Justin Jackson was shipped out as part of that Harrison Barnes trade. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, the Kings look, I mean, Kings have got Bogey, they've got De'Aaron Fox, they've got a, a bevy of bigs, Marvin Bagley, Willie Cauley-Stein, whether or not they re-sign him. Um, it's, it should be interesting. Buddy Heald has turned into a heck of a player. Um, I, I don't think they're there yet, but they're very much a team that's, that's threatening, uh, I would mm-hmm. say. I, with the Clippers uh, waving that white flag, I would very much assume that the Kings will be a possible player for that eighth seed. It's going to be fun to see how the Lakers, Kings, and you know some other teams there just kind of battle it out for that eighth spot. I just I just scrolled right past anything that had to do with the Lakers for the last. Yeah, week. no, that was, it was that's just smart. It was just all Woj, like you know his like. Uh, just writing an epic about every single nothing well, happened. I'm taking the chance to, to, to throw the Lakers. But he used all 280 characters to tell us that nothing happened. Oh, yeah, happened. but he, he wanted to take his opportunity to, to, to take the Lakers to task. Um, Woj is pretty closed off from those uh, those negotiations from directly from the Lakers. Um, and the, the relationship between uh, LeBron and Woj is definitely one that's definitely a little chilly. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's fun to, to get the... Uh, the uh, very, not very, but slightly petty version of Woj just coming out to dunk on them every now and then. I, I like that in my newsbreakers. Have a little bit of pettiness. Uh-huh. It's good times. So how much do you think that any of the trade deadlines um, has changed the playoff landscape, especially with for the Blazers? Uh, Blazers, I think they're are still, I, I think they're improved. Anytime you can trade your 13th, 14th, and 15th guys for uh Mm-hmm. Fringe starter, fifth, sixth, stable, very good bench player in Hood. Uh, a an improvement mm-hmm. at your your deep bench rotation and not really give up anything. Cool. I wanted to see mm-hmm. more, but I mean, it is what it is. So you think they've bolstered their their playoff hopes? And what about anybody else in the league? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Philly. Philly's terrifying. They they yeah. are absolutely terrifying. I mean, I, that's. That's a hell How about of a lineup. the West? Um, I mean, for the most part, the Western Conference teams in the top top half of the, of the conference stayed put. I mean, it, it was it was the teams really behind that were making moves, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Memphis mm-hmm. deals out the soul. The Kings swapping for Barnes. The Mavs are kind of white flagging it here. Um, the Lakers didn't really get much done other than Reggie I guess Bullock. what I'm getting at is, did anybody improve enough to be a threat to the Blazers? I mean, Blazers, there's plenty of teams that are already a threat, but I don't think that necessarily changed, right? You don't think it made it worse nah. yet? No, I, I'm just, like I said, so glad that the talent moved east. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for, it, for it the most part. moves on the periphery across the board. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just glad to see Utah didn't end up like pulling something like Mike Conley out of the bag because yeah. I think that would have been terrifying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that team getting more defensive and better, yeah, I, I, that hurt. Yeah. Well, the next big uh, milestone, I guess, is we've got buyout season. We've got uh, all-star break, all-star game. And then we're just in the the final throws up and running up until um, 
the playoffs. I can't believe that we're two thirds of the way through the season. It seems like it just started. Yeah, they got what uh, seven, sixteen road games, ten home games left. By the time it's all mm-hmm. said and done, it'll be or no, I think it's seventeen and ten. Anyways, they have more home games than they do, or more road games than they do home games. With a big chunk of that coming in that seven game road trip after the All Star break, so I think the scary thing is after dropping that Dallas game. Uh, with OKC on a back-to-back on the road and then yeah. coming home to close out against the Warriors, you could head into the All-Star break 0-3. That's, yeah, losing four out of the last That five. would be problematic, right? You you don't want to go mm-hmm. into the break and sit on that for, for 10 days. No, so you certainly uh, don't. And now things are really clicking in Golden State. That's just great. Yeah, How are the Blazers going to pull off a win tomorrow in, in Oklahoma yeah, City? Um, they they play like they, they played against Dallas. They're going to get throttled. I mean, realistically. Yeah, Paul George has been the second-best player in the league this season. I mean, he has been truly dynamic on both ends. And the only reason I don't think he's been the best is because Giannis has finally ascended full-on Dragon Ball Z, Super Saiyan, all of the craziness. Um, Paul George has been been very, very good. Okay, so what I said was, how can the Blazers win I'm the game? I'm not sure they can right now. Uh, I had to see a very, very different team than what we saw against Miami and uh, against Dallas, I I still think this is a very capable top four playoff caliber team. Um, but if they're going to do what they've done in the last two of the last three games, um, I, I don't think it matters what they try to do. That, that, that's the problem. So you're you're saying like what how they shouldn't play, mm-hmm. but what does it actually <laughs> look like the way that they do play? <laughs> I'm <laughs> when you want them to play. Yeah, you know? I mean, I want them to get back to moving the ball. I want them to get back to getting to use okay. of Nurkic. Uh, I think there were long stretches okay. of times against in the, in the Dallas game. They went away from Nurkic, and he was an absolutely dominant matchup. I get that he was in foul trouble, but Nurk was being given the ball basically as a scoring option as opposed to being a facilitator. And, and that's right. A, they were giving it to him to finish instead of giving it to him to yes, run. Yes, and don't get me wrong. I, I, I like Nurk touches, but it felt like they yeah. were miscasting him in a role back to what was more reminiscent of the past as opposed to that's what i'm saying yeah. that's what it was like at the beginning of yeah. the year and so it's it's a little little weird I, I would like to see them kind of get back to that um nurk won his matchup against steven adams last time so i'm very confident and in their matchups nurk has done very well i'm very confident mm-hmm. of him to be able to finish and outwork and, and and win that matchup but i think that needs to spread it throughout the team uh, who's gonna guard guard paul george good luck <laughs> I mean, are they going to throw Aminu at him again? I mean, Aminu just ran his as hard as he could. Yeah, they're going to throw them all. They're going to make they're, they're going to make uh-huh. them work. I, I don't I don't see the Blazers throwing one of the other longer wings at Westbrook. Are they going to double team him? Uh, I would assume so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe that they they need to do whatever they can to kind of stop him, and because he is he has been unreal. He mm-hmm. has been one of the one of the one of the best yeah. two players in the league. And even though even though Russell Westbrook has had like a million uh, triple doubles in a row, he's still not a good bet if you're gonna like. I mean, he's still somebody <coughs> that you don't mind no, shooting. His <laughs> shooting percentages, field goal percentages across the board have been atrocious this mm-hmm. year. Um, I'm really looking forward to him and Dame going back and forth. Because remember last time mm-hmm. in the matchup, we had Westbrook saying he's been uh, been been beating yeah. that ass since day one. Um, which no. <laughs> so, well, actually, 
technically, if you look at their patterns together, I mean, Westbrook did win the beginning games, like the first games that they played up against, you know, uh, Westbrook, you know, owned those first games. But then after that, Damian took yeah, over. Like I said, so, so he, he hasn't been doing it since day one. He, it, he did it on day one. Then it, yes, then, that would be a more yeah. accurate way. So, I mean, but it's not entirely in, inaccurate today. Since to say since day one, it's not like oh, that's you know he's lying. That's like it, there's there is some truth to it. Is all I'm saying. Whatever. But I agree. I do want to see Damian. I was worried about he was holding his hand a bunch uh, during the game today, um, but I didn't hear anybody mention anything about it. So I guess he was just holding Damian's his hand. He's not going on an injury and, report until unless he breaks something. I mean, that's... I know, unless his hand actually yeah, falls so off. Yeah, so he'll go into the All-Star break, but then he nicks or whatever he has going on, and he'll 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 nurse himself back to health. Yeah. Be good times. Well, that covers all the questions that I had to cover tonight. Mm. So we should probably go ahead and wrap it wrap up. Wrap it up. Yeah. So you want to... Let's talk about what anything you've got exciting coming up. Uh, yeah, we do have a... Blazer guest coming on the show. So that'll be something cool that we have kind of coming up. Schedules have been a little weird. We're working some other cool stuff for Blazers Outsiders to go remote and go broadcast the show from uh, somebody else's place. It should be kind of cool. You mean you have a Blazers guest coming onto the Outsiders? Yes. That's okay. what I said on the, on, on the TV show. Well, you said our show, and I wasn't sure which show oh, you were my, talking my, my about. My mistake. I apologize. Um, I know. I was like, ooh, exciting. We're going to have a Blazer. That would yeah, be amazing. Well, we could talk about that one a little later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, um, just kind of gearing up for the All Star break, right? It's this is mm-hmm. the break before the break is over. Now it's time for the break. I, I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, February has a weird rhythm this year. That's for yeah. sure. What about you? Uh, you guys just wrapped up another what meetup? Yep, we had another Women's Hoops and Talks meetup today, and we have another one. Our next one is going to be on. March twelfth against the Clippers. That is the evening one. We had a uh, we had a daytime one this time, so we had mimosas. <laughs> that was fun. But the next one will be against the Clippers, and um, that'll be coming up. So you can follow me to find out more about that at TCB Bigs. We also uh, time is running out for buying tickets for Blazers Edge Night. There are a few more weeks left, but I believe um, the ticket sales only go through the end of this month. So um, I think the 23rd might be the date. So I would encourage people who are planning and on buying tickets to donate to Blazers Edge Night to go ahead and get that taken care of so the deadline doesn't slide by and you find out that you've forgotten. You can find out how to purchase those tickets by pretty much any um, article on Blazers Edge right now has uh, has a link to how to mm-hmm. do that. So everybody should get on that. Uh, so yeah, I'm at TCB Biggs on Twitter. Dan, go ahead and take us out. All here. right, folks, you can find me on all your social media devices, needs, places, whatever you want to call them, gathering spots at DMARANG, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, and on Blazers Outsiders before and after every Blazers game on NBC Sports Northwest with Shane Brennan, Joe Simons, and myself. Um, as Tara said, if you can do something for Blazers Edge tonight, do it. It's awesome. It's fantastic. Uh, I will echo those sentiments every single time. Uh, but for now, let's go ahead and wrap it up and get on out of here. Thank you for listening. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Unlike it all, redo it all over again. Manipulate the system. Do good things. And we'll catch you next time. Bye.